after all these years to be going back to where it all started back to the matrix how did i beat you you're too fast do you believe that my being stronger or faster has anything to do with my muscles in this place You think that's air you're breathing now? What is he doing? He's beginning to believe. What does that mean? It means buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Welcome back to the Desert of the Real. I'm your host, John Pataki, and this is Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives headfirst into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. Last week, we followed the White Rabbit into the Matrix. This week, we're plunging into the sequel, The Matrix Reloaded. Here to talk about it with me is Mo Shafiq. Hi, Mo. Hey, John. How's it going? I promised I wouldn't do the, the crazy Dr. Uh, zoo crew, but there was a little bit of that in there. You could have gone like full tank or dozer from Matrix <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> gone, like, a super, or gone mouse, you know, taking some weird pervy dialect with you into this. But I appreciate mm-hmm. what you just did. When I think of the Matrix, I think of you. You're kind of the um, the person that began my reassessment of the films. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your relationship to the Matrix and why they're so important to you and what the Matrix movies mean to you. Yeah, I'd love to. It's something that I, I, you know, I wear as a badge of honor now that I feel like it's becoming more of a popular consensus that revisiting these movies is sort of a rite of passage for our generation in general. But I, I had the not a very glamorous story, but I remember saw the first one in theaters, loved it, had it on DVD, watched it all the time, saw the second one in theaters, thought it was fine had like moments that I liked, but in general kind of thought it was a little underwhelming and then saw the third one and I didn't like it. And then I never thought about it again, the end. And then cut to like maybe five years later, the timeline gets a little condensed because I was in my 20s and I was just running around, you know, acting a fool. In New York City, there was a a used record store I used to go to called Academy Books and Records that was in the Flatiron District. And I used to go there and just buy bargain CDs and DVDs all the time. And I remember seeing this box set that I remember seeing when it came out on DVD and seeing it in real life. My reaction was, who the hell bought this thing? I can't believe anyone would have bought this thing in the first place. It is a 10-disc Matrix DVD (laughs) set with a bust of Neo and like an (laughs) acrylic case. And my reaction wasn't like, why did somebody sell this to the used record store? Because that would have been the logical, I would have been like, ha 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 check that out i knew it it was more like who in the first place bought this like why would anyone have gone day one and bought this thing and then just like out of the like i don't know it it triggered a little spark in my head and i was just sort of like i went home and i just googled like matrix reloaded and just sort of like looked into what people like and immediately i found this one website where some guy just went into this deep dive about why those sequels are great and why people didn't get them and then back when netflix was a disc service uh, okay, Grandpa. I, uh, <laughs> I I I rented Matrix Reloaded just on a whim. I brewed myself a pot of tea, and I sat down in front of the TV and watched it as a I guess probably like a twenty five year old, you know. And 
to say that the amount that I liked it more was significant is an understatement. Like it immediately clicked for me in a way that like never did before. And I don't know if it was just because I had gone to college, I I had an interest in philosophy, if I sort of appreciated more complex filmmaking, if there was something about it that like just was missing the first time around that I saw it. But almost immediately I was like, oh no, oh my god, I love this movie. This movie is actually low-key brilliant. And then I rented Revolutions, and I still struggle with that one a little bit. I don't think that I actually, I, I love the movie, don't get me wrong. But like, that's the one where if someone's like, I don't like Revolutions, I go like, yeah, I get it. You know, like, they're, they're uh, chapter, but at the same time, I go like, name a part three that you like. You know, even the most beloved trilogy of all time, arguably, is this original Star Wars trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who goes and says like, and then they bring it on home with Return of the Jedi, the best of the series. You know, like who actually Mo, you're talking to him? That's no, that's no. Well, that, well, that's great. That, that's not that's not a shaming thing, but I'm saying it's a rare <laughs> it's a rarity, right? So you go right. and you say like the amount of people who, like typically it's like a Back to the Future three boo, which by the way. Back to the Future 3 is the second best Back to the Future for me. Revolutions is uh, my least favorite, but I would argue that it is still significant and has my favorite imagery of the whole series. Yeah, and then so I just sort of, it sort of spun from there. I would, anyone who would let me, I would show it to them, you know, and uh, I would would ask them to revisit it. And we, I just have spent the last, I guess now, 15 years trying to get people to give it a second chance and uh you know to mix results some people in general people are like yeah those movies are better than i gave them credit for but mm-hmm. no one really seems to want to meet it at the same level that i do i have read countless articles watched countless youtube videos i have i you know like uh, the philosophy and the matrix is sort of like my favorite thing in the world and you know uh, for in preparation for this i rewatched the movie again and i had a completely different experience with it today yesterday than i did you know 15 years ago 11 years ago five years ago two years ago one year ago i have different experiences with all three of the films every single time and that to me is the most beautiful relationship to a piece of art that i've had in the last in my adult life right like you know i i the amount of times i used to watch the matrix i feel like was the same amount i used to watch goldeneye right like if i were pop on goldeneye right now i don't think i'm going to have a transcendent philosophical <laughs> experience where i walk out of it being like what is the nature of secret agentry <laughs> exactly exactly i think the, the thing that comes we can do actually do this now the conventional wisdom like you were saying is that one is perfect two and three are awful if you're going by that conventional wisdom it goes Reloaded is okay. Revolutions is unwatchable, which is yeah. not the truth. No, not by at means. All. But like you were saying, you're hard-pressed to find anything that, that brings it home. And I think the nature of that is that you set up questions, and you set up these questions, and you set up these questions. And that's always the most interesting part. It's like how the penultimate episode of a season is always the yeah. most intriguing one, because inevitably you're going to get an answer yeah, to yeah. something. And if the answer is something that you don't – if you didn't set up in your head to be the correct answer, it's ultimately going to be disappointing. And then the yeah. Matrix – with something like The Matrix, which just showed up on the scene and obliterated everyone's perceptions of what a movie could be. It had no expectations. No one had any expectations going into The Matrix 1. I didn't know what the movie was about. The internet wasn't there to tell us what everything was before it came out at that point. And then my mind was just eviscerated. Like, I just, I left just like, what is the world? <laughs> Went home onto AOL and typed in whatisthematrix.com. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just, I just, I just typed in what is the world. The thing that comes with that is, you know, it's 2003 when this movie comes out and so you have all that time of sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And oh, I love the first one so much. It was amazing. And then the Wachowskis kind of reveal what the matrix 
is to them. They don't want to give the people what they want. They want to complete their vision of what the Matrix is. And we'll get more into that later. But, you know, the Wachowskis don't fuck around. They are not going to do anything that's not their own perfect vision of yeah. what, what they want, in it, which is pretty obvious with, you know, Speed Racer and Jupiter Ascending and yeah. Cloud Alice, which I love all of the above. Love um, all of them. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> funny, it's funny you say that. People keep asking me, they're like, oh my God, The Matrix 4, it's going to rule, right? I'm like, oh my God, you're going to hate it so much. It's going to be bad. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna walk out of that and be like, why was I excited about it? And then I'm going to have a smile of, across my face from ear to ear just being like, that was amazing because I know not to expect anything from them other than whatever they want to give me just expect to get your ass kicked by some off the wall weirdness that you never expected well yeah everything i've heard about it and this is not not you know i know nothing about the movie other than what i've seen in the trailer but like everything in that movie points to it being a self-reflexive story about the success of the first matrix to some degree and i think that that's something that's really interesting and i don't think that they're going to handle meta in a Dan Harmon way, I think they're going to handle meta in a very Wachowski way, which I think is to say that it's going to be incredibly earnest and sincere and probably a little too on the nose for some people who like their uh, like their sci-fi with a side of sarcasm these days. Uh, that's the, the main problem with The Matrix is it's a very earnest and very sincere. And you can get away with them in the first one, but the sequels, they people don't really hang. I mean, absolutely true. And, uh, you know, that trailer drops and... You're just so excited to see your first glimpse of the Matrix in X amount of years. And then you just go back and revisit it and you see like the Matrix 1 projected in the background and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is, uh, and you know, I've had some like second and third hand accounts of what it could possibly be about. And I was like, ooh, yeah, people are going to hate this. Uh, <laughs> but not us. Not us. I say bring it on. With that, let's move in to The Matrix Reloaded, the first Matrix movie that people hated. <laughs> and we're going to head into the download. You. Yes, me. So what is The Matrix Reloaded even about, you might be asking. Six months after the events of the first Matrix, our crew returns to Zion, the last bastion of humanity, with Neo struggling to accept, but mostly committing to his role as Computer Jesus. Upon their return, Morpheus receives a message from Niobe. The final transmission from the Osiris, detailed in the Animatrix, suggests that the machines are on the hunt and will reach Zion within 72 hours, spelling doom for mankind. All ships are ordered to return to Zion to prepare for the attack. But Morpheus asks one ship to remain to contact the Oracle. One of the crew members, Bane, encounters Agent Smith, who has gone full rogue program after his fateful encounter with Neo. Smith takes over Bane's body and enters the real world via telephone exit. The Nebuchadnezzar leaves Zion to enter the Matrix, where Neo meets the Oracle's bodyguard, Seraph, who leads them to see the Oracle. She reveals she was just another program in the Matrix and charges Neo with the task of reaching the Source, with the help of the living, breathing, determinism metaphor himself, the Keymaker. Smith then emerges, scolding Neo for robbing him of his purpose before trying to assimilate Neo himself. Neo rejects the attempt in a massive fight, or burly brawl, if you will, ensues. Neo escapes by, you guessed it, flying away at the end. Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity visit the Merovingian, who is imprisoning the Keymaker. The Merovingian, a rogue program that provides asylum for other rogue programs, feeds a slice of digital orgasm cake to a woman in his company to prove his point that even pleasure is a system of control. Persephone, his wife, seeks revenge on her husband for some off-screen infidelity that leads our hero straight to the Keymaker, 
Neo holds off the Merovingian's henchmen as the rest of them escape. The Keymaker and Neo reach the source after a three-pronged attack is planned to destroy a power plant and disable a backup power station. Haunted by a vision of Trinity's death, Neo asks her to remain on board the Nebuchadnezzar. One of the ships is destroyed by a sentinel, which forces Trinity into action, and is quickly cornered and chased by Agent Thompson. Is that his name? I didn't know that. As Neo, Morpheus, and the Keymaker try to reach the source, the Smiths ambush them, not that band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Morrissey corners them. Shyness is nice and shyness can stop you from doing all the things in life you'd like to. <laughs> the Keymaker unlocks the door to the source, but the Smiths shoot him dead as he closes the door. Neo meets a program called The Architect, the creator of The Matrix. Sorry, I'm like trying to hold back a laugh because this is pretty pretty absurd. <laughs> Neo meets a program called The Architect, the creator of The Matrix, who explains that as the one, Neo is himself an intentional part of the design of The Matrix, which is now in its sixth iteration. Neo is meant to stop The Matrix's fatal system crash that naturally recurs due to the concept of human choice within it. As with the five previous ones, Neo has a choice. Either return to the source to reboot The Matrix and handpick survivors to repopulate the soon-to-be be destroyed Zion, as his predecessors all did, or refuse, causing the Matrix to crash, killing everyone connected to it. Neo chooses Trinity and flies off to save her. Neo's visions come true, and Trinity is shot in freefall by Agent Thompson. But before she hits the ground, Neo catches her and removes the bullet from her chest. Sentinels attack and destroy the Nebuchadnezzar, but the crew escapes. Neo holds off the killing blow of the Sentinels by demonstrating very real-world Matrix powers. The crew is picked up by another ship, and its captain reveals that other ships in defense of Zion were wiped out by the machines after someone prematurely activated an EMP, and that only one survivor was found. The Smith-possessed Bane. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That's the end of the Matrix Reloaded. We're left on a cliffhanger. And another Rage Against the Machine song. And an- another Rage Against machine song is it wake up or is that from the first what one say? what you say what you say <laughs> calm like a bomb i think it's yeah calm like called. a bomb that's right a lot of people that say that the, the plot for the matrix is super convoluted and it's i mean it's very plotty 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 but you know it's pretty pretty easy to follow i think i don't know i think what really trips people up is the architect scene oh i have so much to say about the architect scene i'm glad you do that's why i'm glad you're here today released on may 16th 2003 this movie was shot in tandem with the matrix revolutions directed of course by lily and lana wachowski Cinematography by Bill Pope, Keanu Reeves as Neo, Carrie Ann Moss back as Trinity, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. All the old favorites are back. A different oracle in this one, Gloria Foster, right? No, this is the same one. The, oh, third, in the Revolutions. Revolutions, different oracle. That's right. Colin Cho as Seraph. Jada Pinkett Smith finally finds her way into the Matrix. She was supposed to play Trinity in the first one. Audition for the role of Trinity in the first one. What was declined the role? We'll have to have you back for the Lost podcast, Mo. But oh, um, please. Harold Pirano as Link. Not screaming about finding his boy at all in this movie, but that's okay. They took my son! Where's my boy? They took my son! Lambert Wilson as the Merovingian. Monica Bellucci as Persephone. She has a habit of playing beautiful women that are key plot devices in things like uh, in Twin Peaks Return, where uh, she's in a very pivotal dream. Did you watch the Twin Peaks Return? I actually well, haven't, and that's a shameful admission, but I, I've oh, been shit. meaning to. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to spoil it for you. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Randall Duck Kim as the keymaker. Helmet Bakaitis as the architect. Of course, that guy's name is Helmut. And, you know, Dr. Cornell West as Counselor West popping in. Fight choreography by the legendary Yen Wu Ping of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon fame. Lethal Weapon 4, all the fight scenes for Kill Bill, the criminally underrated man of Tai Chi. Yep. 
an estimated eight months of training for the fights in this movie, which is like... I believe it. I can barely do anything for like a week straight. Eight months of training <laughs> is like ridiculous. I think even um, Carrie Ann Moss like broke her leg during the fight training scenes, which is crazy to me. Music by Don Davis. And then a, with a budget of 127 to $150 million, you know a movie costs a lot of money when it's like a range like that. <laughs> Box office pulled in $739.4 million. I'm trying to avoid Rotten Tomatoes scores, but I think with these two specifically, it's important. Critics at 73% and the audience at 72%, like a 10 to 15% downgrade from the first one. And you can feel that slipping happening like we were talking about. So yeah, just a little background information about The Matrix and the cultural context there. To head into the actual meat and potatoes of The Matrix Reloaded, first we must enter the hollow chamber. Initiating hollow chamber protocol. You are now entering the hollow chamber. So, Mo, we talked about earlier about how the conventional wisdom is that the sequels are bad. Talk to me a little bit about The Matrix Reloaded coming out. Do you uh, have any insight into what The Matrix Reloaded was to the Wachowskis versus what it was to the population at large? Here's the thing. I want to... I wanna say that like in general it's hard to it's hard to accuse if everyone's like this then obviously maybe the problem is the medium but most people seem to presume that if they don't like something that it's bad and that's sort of the weird slippery slope that gets into the discussions of media right like instead of just being like i don't like this it ends up being it's bad right like oh they messed it up they they screwed it up right is what it is and i think part of the thing that actually helped me unlock this is that like most times when you hear like a oh they screwed it up or it got away from them or all this stuff it's because you know the, it's a it's a follow-up movie it's a thing that like someone didn't have the budget to meet to meet their means whatever blah, blah blah but they they have and never will be given as much money as they <laughs> were given for these sequels they had every single person at warner brothers at joel silver's productions at village roadshow every single person involved in this believed in this project and were just sort of like hey they know what they're doing the Wachowskis know what they're doing. Like, just give them, give them the benefit of the doubt. They worked on intense pre-production. They built a goddamn highway in <laughs> Australia that is still there—a real highway just to do that entire sequence. Like, you're saying they did eight months of training. Like, they, like they did not quote unquote mess this up. Nine Eleven happened while it was happening. Aaliyah was supposed to be in the movie and she died. Gloria Foster died during the production of this movie. Like, literally. All these um, incredibly tragic things. I think there's like a story about Keanu Reeves's like child dying during this thing, mm -hmm. right? I think it was something like that. Someone, someone very close to him died during the production of this movie. It was like a like emotional production. They spent a full year making this movie. But let me tell you something: the problem is not in the script. The problem nope. is that the like the movie that they wanted to make, they made despite all odds. Against all odds, they made the movie, and no one would come to you and be like, "Oh, hey, you know, like this movie would have been better if Leo was in it." You know, it's <laughs> like it's not like that right or like the public consciousness really changed after 9-11 it's like no the issue is that and i guess if you want to put it this way is that people thought that the wachowskis were populists when really the wachowskis were art film students you know like they're wachowskiists that's like they wanted to make a high art philosophy martial arts movie and they they didn't read the room i guess the room is pretty impossible to read but they 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 saw the success of the matrix and they were like and here's what we want to do next which is let's double down on the philosophy rather than let's double down on the martial art artistry and i think people were not prepared for that in general i would say that the movie is a little too um educational <laughs> 
expositional expositional than most audiences would care to enjoy and the problem is as a sequel to a very populous mainstream film it just was never going to succeed as it was written but i'm glad that they used their first and only true blank check uh, to to take a phrase from a favorite podcast of mine (laughs) that they they used that money to make something that nobody else will ever be able to do in science fiction for the rest of time maybe because of this movie but they (laughs) there's never going to be like you right now you know at the time of this recording um the movie eternals is out and i like eternals but um people are talking about it like it's like oh they really like it's like different you know, it's like, it's sort of like a vibe. It's like smarter. It's like, it's taking risks. And you want to, if you ever want to see what a movie that's actually taking risks looks like, watch The Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Resurrections. Absolutely. Or, or, or uh, Revolution, sorry. You make great points. And I think that the, the one thing I want to really focus in on is you saying, doubling down on the philosophy, I would argue as well as the martial arts, like they ramped up the philosophical aspects of it. And I think people just wanted more bullet time. It's kind of like the same philosophy of like The Last Jedi where, you know, I always say like, I think just people wanted Luke to do like a flip and like yeah. crush an AT-AT with the force. And that's all they wanted. But instead, yeah. you know, the Wachowskis come in and I watched the making of for this. And it's like, I still don't understand. I still don't understand the amount of coordination and the amount of vision and the amount of people working behind the scenes to create this insane, you know, middle chapter when, yeah. you know, I don't think people were ready for what they had in mind whatsoever. And to go in and like you said, ramp up the, the philosophical angle of it to go in and say like, oh, this is what we told you the Matrix was in the first one. But actually it's this, it's the Matrix is yet one set of controls, but there's also the systems in place around the Matrix, including your hero that deepen the flow in the in the philosophy of the Matrix that deepen the system of control and the plot. And, you know, like you said, people say that just it made up a bunch of like philosophical gobbledygook, but it makes complete sense when you watched it enough you're not going to get it all in the first viewing in the theater especially when you're in that, that like euphoric like opening night mindset of a, of a new movie that's coming out and like you said with you know with the eternals or things like that people don't really understand what risk is and you go <laughs> you go back and you know i think you and i are very similar minded in that like we want to like things we don't want to go in and be like oh that was trash i think of like aquaman for instance of like in my head i was like mm, looks kind of bad and then left him was like holy shit, I loved yeah. it so much. But there is that thing in the back of your head where you're like, you know, 20 years ago, people were just trying whatever. Like the late 90s, early 2000s were a really wild time. And it's in part thanks to the Wachowskis who, you know, dug the tunnel and then blew the dynamite behind them <laughs> with, with, the, with the Matrix. Because it's just like, yeah, they, they did kind of shoot themselves in the foot, but at least they went down swinging, you know? Oh my God, they went down swinging. Yeah, yeah so actually you, you brought up two movies that I think are very important to go back and circle around i'll go back to i'll start with aquaman and then i'll get back to the 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 movie that shall not be named and and talk about the comparison points i want to make it perfectly clear i love me a fucking aquaman oh yeah i apologize i'm not sure if i'm allowed to swear on this but swear more actually okay so aquaman is dumb as rocks and it's a fucking wild ass time give me aquaman all the time and if you want to say what what this what it must be like if what for the matrix related if you weren't there at the time if you've seen the movie aquaman imagine you go you know this is a billion dollar movie aquaman is one of the highest grossing movies of all time which is insane to say out loud but you go and you say okay i'm gonna go see aquaman 2 and aquaman 2 is instead a very serious uh you know treaty on uh on the overfishing 
<laughs> and it decides that it's actually going to be a series of conversations between Aquaman as he goes to each continent and has conversations with each political member <laughs> about their exploration of it and how each one has a different relationship to food and fish and how those things play into their economic growth and their 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 you know and then and then at the same time he's fighting Orm and other people and the crab kingdom and all these things but like in between each fight with a different you know the whatever the god of the indian ocean is he has a conversation with you know the prime minister of japan about their relationship to whaling and you go like this movie's really tonally all over the place but i love it i love these i love how how what, what they're really getting at they're scratching at what's really important in the world um are you pitching an aquaman 3 right now is oh god i wish yeah <laughs> call me i have i have ideas but no the, actually it's more like last jedi than i i i think more see i don't want to say that because i made, made people scared because i know how controversial that movie is but i think conventionally people look at last jedi and it feels off to them and I won't get into why it feels off to them because everyone's entitled to their opinion. And sure. I disagree with a lot of the complaints about that movie but because I love that movie. But, like, it's not a crime to dislike that movie in the same sure. way that it's not a crime to dislike Matrix Reloaded. You may just be like, not for me. Right. In fact, like, that's fine. Star Wars had so much baggage going into it. And so mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson deciding that he wanted to dangle that baggage over a cliff and be like sorry i know all these toys are really precious to you but i really want to talk to you about why they're so precious to you can you explain to me why you think these are so precious to you while people are literally staring at them while he's dangling them over a cliff (laughs) this movie kind of similarly does the same thing but it does it more so with the hero's journey and with the biblical implications of jesus and and i think that um because the matrix was not as precious as Star Wars, it is a different type of story to mess around with in that, like, you can see the sequel and be like, oh, they messed it up, not for me, as opposed to being like, oh, it's interesting that they decided to, like, go back to the story that they created, which is effectively just the hero's journey, the very mm-hmm. basic Joseph Campbell storyline, and say, like, everyone always thinks that the solution to this is to literally blow up the other side. But what if the actual solution is compromise? Mm-hmm. And your and Rachel Reloaded is, is basically like you said cyber jesus speaking to different philosophers who are all telling him different reasons why he should just either give up blow up the other side or accept his fate and instead he comes to the realization that he has to choose for himself and that in fact the main crux of being cyber jesus is that you have to understand the choices you make in order to actually succeed or rather to find inner peace with that ultimate choice. And you need to own those choices and, and earn them naturally, not be forced by a program, not be forced by a system of control. It needs to be not just based on love, but based on, you know, what makes a human a human and that's the ability to choose, but not just to choose, but to choose for yourself. It's I, I said here it's the it's the matrix, but more matrixy. It's everything about the first one, but with the money behind it and the ideas behind it to make it what they really wanted it to be because they had no idea the first one was going to work. You know, you said pre-production took a year, shooting took a year, post-production took a year, just because it was, you know, shot in tandem with Matrix Revolutions, shot under the code name The Burly Man. Um, there's a really great documentary is The Burly Man Chronicles, which is like, it's amazing. you need to watch the whole thing. One thing that blew my mind, there were 150 to 186 sets on the production. Wow. Again, when you have that hyphen, it's like, 
you know there's a lot when you lost track of how many sets there are <laughs> and just so so detailed and so cool i think the number one set that pops out to me in the Re- in reloaded is that like foyer that they fight in with the with those mm-hmm. swords and the tridents on the on the walls speaking of aquaman some, some trident hot trident action <laughs> everything is just so gorgeous and fully realized the wachowskis at this point decide to show the world what the matrix series and the matrix itself actually is and they do that through expanding the world and they most effectively do that by introducing the real world in a way that was not seen in the first movie. In Reloaded, you see Zion for the first time. I don't want to keep bucking against the criticism, but I think what I hear from a lot of people is that they didn't want to see Zion. They don't care about Zion, and it's such an important aspect to why, to the story itself. I tend to think that the, the criticisms about Zion aren't actually about Zion as much as they think that, like, in general, I feel like people wanted maybe a few more normal matrix movies before you get to this sort of like epic or rather the 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 plottiness of the zion like politicking and all the characters you introduced to like you need that to be spread out or you know from the tv series or something like that i feel like it it, it's dense in an already packed movie that like all the matrix stuff is more interesting than the zion stuff i would say however from a screenwriting perspective you know this is a complaint i have not to bring it back to eternals again but like at towards the end of that movie, I was like, I wonder what they just sort of stopped showing real people reacting to the crazy stuff that happens in this world, don't they? Like yeah. in the first Avengers, it was like the sky opened up and you're seeing New York being terrorized by the Chitari. And now it's sort of like, oh, there's like a god cr- crawling out of the core of, sorry, spoilers for Eternals. There's <laughs> a, a, a god crawling out of the, the center of the earth and you never cut once to anybody in the universe being like, oh my god, it's right. it, the, the end of the world. <laughs> no one's on vacation, you know, boating in that specific moment. And so with this, it's sort of like, you know, the rave got dunked on so hard and I'm just sort of like, it's so much shorter than you think it is. It's like three and a half minutes long and like, yeah, I guess it's like show, showing their freak flag a little bit like the Wachowskis obviously if you watch Sense8 if you watch you know Cloud Atlas you know that they love themselves some German sexual open sexuality (laughs) in their in their imagery you know uh, but like it's at the same time like you need that to show both metaphorically and literally that like there are stakes these are people who behave differently from that of the machine world, right? Like that there is like an opposing force and like humanity is dirty and messy and worth saving because of this weird thing, this ritualistic thing that we as humans do that's quite significant and hard to quantify and hard to like make generalized. Mm -hmm. And I guess if you're just like someone who doesn't dance or, you know, find sex you know something that could be for pleasure you know if it's something that's only for for uh productive reproduction (laughs) you know like you cannot like look at imagery like that and be like oh my god like to be human to like you know like what is being human if not like being having a lover and like getting sweaty and dancing with people and like expressing yourself through through your body and it's so unique and interesting and that's that's how they chose to world build and people didn't really connect with it because the last movie was so like and i love i love the first matrix unabashedly but i guess it also gives the posturing sense of sort of being a little like edge lordy where it's sort of like you know like you wear trench coats you dress cool you wear glasses you're hackers like the idea that like they're like no 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 like that's just that's that's like an affectation but really 
we fucked. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of the vibe. It's like, yeah, then we go back to our apartments and we go to raves and we get sweaty and we take ecstasy and we like touch each other and probably a lot of people have nipple piercings. It's like, you know, like, do they go into it? I can't remember if they go into it in Revolutions or not, but there's like the, the oh yeah, they, they mention it like in the first one, right? That like, is it truck or dozer? They don't have any of the ports or the plugs. Mm. Like, I love that. I love that, that, that world building in the first movie where they're just like, oh yeah, no, there are people who were born in Zion who like yeah. don't have the plugs totally and like i bet they're like you know there's definitely some punk ass kid in zion who like gets some plugs like yeah. to fuck with his parents <laughs> or something you know he's just I'm like, getting them you're grounded you can't get those plugs <laughs> i would also push back on the fact they dressed cool in the matrix but... <laughs> <I know. laughs> no um, but yeah it's exact that's exactly right and i think it's again very well stated that like you have inside the matrix a, a complete system of control and everyone's going about their drone like day and you know everything that you do is programmed for you in a way the ins and outs of the matrix are uh, probably a podcast into itself mm-hmm. but like for the sake of comparison, you're a worker drone, you go to work, and then you cut to Zion where everyone's just going fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Morpheus has his like rock star Paul Stanley moment where he goes up on stage <laughs> and is like, are you ready to party, Zion? And everyone's yeah. like, yeah. And and just I, I think that's something that you can only really tune into when you pull back like 30,000 feet from a completed trilogy 15 years later. Because yeah. in the moment, you are just like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. But um, as you see it as a completed vision, it's like, okay, this is completely thematically sound. The world building aspect of it, I love, um, I forget the character's name, but the when they go down to the lower levels of Zion. Counselor Haman. You know, it's it's pretty on the nose. The, the, the subtext becomes text about, you know, the water purifier about is there a choice if we turn this off we die is that a choice and living alongside machines and you know that that whole moment and it's like it's pretty literal uh and you said earnest like extremely earnest yeah metaphorical chat with neo but it's a cyberpunk action movie you know like yeah. just to, to bring yeah. that to the fore and spend five minutes having this conversation is yeah. a choice i really appreciate about the matrix reloaded it does make one wonder just what is control if we wanted, we could shut these machines down. That's it. You hit it. That's control, isn't it? If we wanted, we could smash them to bits. Although if we did, we'd have to consider what would happen to our lights, our heat, our air. So we need machines and they need us. Is that your point, Counselor? No. No point. Well, that's, that's I mean, the thing about the matrix series that's so interesting especially now that like more or less you know it's been confirmed pretty explicitly as a trans metaphor Mm -hmm. but like you know they were very specific not to be dogmatic about it in fact i i I own the you know the the blu-ray set that i dunked on earlier um (laughs) that i went and bought eventually um but like in the in the booklet the wachowskis talk quite earnestly about like they don't talk about these movies because they don't actually want to tell anyone what they're about because sure. like the best part about it is it's basically a metaphor and from a writing standpoint the best thing about it is with about this movie specifically reloaded is that like it takes the metaphor and expands upon it and gives you lots of things to think about which is that like okay so in this metaphor if it's capitalism to you if it's racism to you if it's sexism to you if it's transphobia to you whatever it is that's a, that the previous film was actually about breaking out of the mold about identity about who you are and the system of control what is it about it and you know like if you just take it as you know say capitalism right like it's a perfect one-to-one metaphor there in that conversation with counselor Haman, where it's sort of like for all you're talking about like 
will bring down capitalism. It's sort of like, well, yeah, you see that machine over there that makes your water? It's like, yeah, you could totally turn that off. You can, you know, but then what, what would you eat? You know, like you could turn these things off and yeah, you can destroy them, but like your quality of life changes significantly. I think that you know, you should probably think about that before you go smashy smashy in a second, you Absolutely, know, like, yeah. um, and, and, you know, that's the first of the, you know, maybe five long conversations he has. <laughs> and I, I remember that was kind of the moment that the movie clicked for me when I first revisited it was the idea that me being like, I don't even remember this conversation. I probably exactly. remember being like really bored with it, mm-hmm. but it's the first one where he goes and I'm just like, oh, that's right. This movie is literally just Neo talking to five different people about what he's going to do next. And everyone giving him their advice. And it's not like it's like a stray conversation with some rando. He's like, follow me. I have something to show you. And yeah, it's yeah. like kind of lays the carpet down in front of him about the path of the one in terms of the prophecy of Zion, not what it actually, what its actual role is, mm-hmm. but like what they believe it to be as humans and, and having that faith in him as computer Jesus. And like, you know, you, you see all the people when he leaves the elevator with Trinity and she's like, mm-hmm. I'll leave, they, they need you right now. Yeah, um, like offering. I mean, it's it's, it's about as one to one as you can get of, yeah. of, of the Messiah story, um, right? But I like but the that, idea of it being an elder, like a town elder, yeah, totally. who is like clearly like you know, again, if you want to make it the gay community, if you want to make it some other thing, basically someone who's from a different generation who's looking at this kid who's going to change the world, right? And the only thing he really leaves him with is just sort of like, look, I get it, I get this whole thing you got going on, like. Yeah. The kids are really into you. They believe in you. Uh, I'm sort of a little like, call me old fashioned, like I'll believe it when I see it. But at the same time, I understand why you're necessary for this to happen. Like we can literally bring as many guns to this fight as possible. But like if these people don't believe that there's hope or don't have any hope whatsoever, it's useless. So like you literally are just nothing but a symbol. And that is as important as any weapon we can bring to this right now so i appreciate you which is completely sets up the conclusion of the whole trilogy the idea of this there being this anti-climax because of a choice that neo makes in the third one like i'm talking veiled like it didn't come out 20 years ago um (laughs) but like just the idea of you know it sets the stage for neo to choose to sacrifice himself Mm. or to just choose not to fight anymore to just not to give up but to give give in and become Mm -hmm. the symbol as opposed to blowing him up with like an AK-47 with a grenade launcher and then like mm-hmm. Superman flying roundhouse kicking him into the sun or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, I think a lot of it comes down to like action versus philosophy and what, what you want out of your matrix. Speaking of that path, you really get Neo's path blown out in this one, but also Agent Smith is a crucial factor in this one where you think he's dead in the first one and you come into this one as he comes in as this reborn rogue program that's copying itself and becoming a virus and becoming a a nuisance and an issue for the matrix itself is a fascinating turn of events for a villain and really only possible in a movie like this because of the the nature of programming, the nature of computers, the nature of how you can easily just like write into the script, how Smith is going rogue is by auto repopulating himself and taking over. And he becomes this like foil for Neo himself, you know, opposite sides of the same coin. You know, tale as old as time, but in this one, it's really fascinating because at the end of the Matrix, they just imprint on each other yeah. by basically killing each other and then becoming reborn in a certain way. You know, Smith maybe in a more literal way in the first one gets 
I don't know how you would describe what happens to him in the first one. Yeah. He tur- he turns into code. and There's little code bubbles going through and giving him a, little, <laughs> a million mini matrix aneurysms. Yeah, exactly. Until he explodes. Um, no, I've had, like, you know, like, part of the thing that I mentioned earlier that, like, I, I watched it last night and had a different experience, you know, like, the, the, the Smith thing that's so interesting to me now is how closely it mirrors the like um not to get too political but you know a certain side of of the political spectrum and their relationship to using activism activist dialect and conversation to their own means yes and it's so interesting to see it because what what must have been going on in the wachowski's world is you know probably on a smaller scale growing up in the 80s and the 70s and seeing sort of how you know, because activism back then was, you know, very specific and looked down upon. Now it's so mainstream. But the thing that's so readily available to us now and our generation is seeing how quickly a cause can be exploited mm-hmm. and a cause can be duplicated and how once you set the ground rules that technically anybody can use those same exact playbook and use it against you. And the thing about Smith that's so interesting in this movie is his ba- his shtick is basically just sort of like, hey, man, what's going on? I just want to thank you so much for teaching me <laughs> that nothing matters. And because of that, I am going to basically troll the entire world. <laughs> He's basically just like, I am going to basically infect everyone mm-hmm. with a bunch of bullshit, teach them that the world is bullshit, infect them all. And, you know, because guess what? If you can make me, you can defeat me then nothing matters, and so therefore, I can use that to my advantage to make myself as powerful as you. And then something happened. Something that I knew was impossible, but it happened anyway. You destroyed me, Mr. Anderson. Afterward, I knew the rules, I understood what I was supposed to do, but I didn't. I couldn't. I was compelled to stay compelled to disobey and now here I stand because of you Mr. Anderson because of you I'm no longer an agent of this system because of you I've changed I'm unplugged I'm a new man so to speak like you apparently free congratulations thank you um, you know it's a very like you know one-to-one as far as their like power as it grows throughout the entire movie but like I, I, his speech is so specifically modern in the way he explains his villainy which is mm-hmm. effectively just sort of like oh okay so like if black lives matters can protest then why can't we protest why don't They're... all lives matter yeah why, why don't all lives matter yeah exactly you're you're like kind of reading my mind with it in terms of pushing this metaphor for, further too we were talking about the red pill Mm-hmm. And the from the first Matrix and how that was co- kind of co opted and it oh. came from, it came from this hopeful place of you can choose to you know there's a, a quote from I, I I believe it's Lily that says like there's matrices there are matrices everywhere mm-hmm. Every, everything's yeah. a matrix just a system of control and like free thought is the only thing that can defeat that but like you were saying with the playbook it's like oh but why can't we do this too yeah yeah we're yeah, also we're, yeah. we're also people. You know, um, it's a system of control. Women not sleeping with us. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and they're the one. They're the ones at that point that are saying, "Me, me, me, me too." Yeah, that's exact. Oh God, it's so good. It's so well written. I love it. I love. And he's having so much fun. We spoke at length about this too about how 
that Smith character is, you know, an, an archetypal villain, but there's no no other villain like that in anything ever. And how yeah. he just how it's so ro- he's so robotic, but then so menacing once he gets more sentience and like. But that that scene, the just the way he says purpose and the mm-hmm. way he's talking about purpose, and then immediately tries to to copy Neo or like to copy himself onto Neo, mm-hmm. and Neo rejects it in an obvious like bucking the system metaphor. I don't know why yeah. I'm saying bucking so much. I never say bucking. <laughs> um, that scene, and then obviously segues into the burly brawl, which is like another contentious point for people. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like, yeah, you you see that it just it's it's its own action packed kung fu metaphor <laughs> for mm-hmm. like how one voice versus several duplicate voices, like yeah. one one voice that stands against tyranny like that i guess it's a for lack yeah. of a better word can word can you know hold its own and, and maybe can't repel it back right away until it really knows what its purpose is and how it guides yeah. itself forward yeah and ha- and how not having a purpose or rather yeah like basically like standing for nothing feels as powerful or rather it's it's only as powerful as the amount of people you have behind you as opposed mm-hmm. to one person who actually stands for something right exactly um the burly brawl rules i'm just gonna say yeah, that it's fucking awesome <laughs> What else rules is the matrix i'm like getting yeah. so riled up right now uh but the burly brawl is fucking awesome it's so awesome and, and like, i hate that i hate that it's it's legacy is the like the 30 seconds of cgi that people seem to literally like go like oh i didn't get it it's so ugly looking who and cares I'm like, literally until the until the minute it switches to cgi it is a perfect perfect action sequence and in fact it's a oh my god how did they do this level good like if if it if it, it, it like i every single time i'm like i'm gonna look at some random smith and it's definitely not gonna look like hugo weaving and it does every single time it feels like an optical illusion it's masks and cgi all these influences put together and all these different techniques put together there's a interview with Connor Reeves where he says like there's double the amount of like fight moves in the burly brawl that there are in the first matrix combined Oh, just in that, it, yeah. just in that, in that moment, and and to to have to memorize all of that and understand, and you know, in the Matrix, it's like one to one combat mostly, if not entirely. Every fight is one person versus one person, and then in this movie, it's this, that's that Wachowski mentality of like, oh yeah, we got we're gonna have Neo fight like a few Smiths, and they're like, oh yeah, cool, we can do it like eight or nine of them. And they're like, Oh no, it's me like 200 of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to go in and it's like, you're going to nitpick the CGI when it's like, you've never ever seen anything. The set that it's on is so perfect. And, and then even the intro of him walking in with those Ravens flying mm-hmm. in, it rules. Everything about it is awesome. Even the spin, the even the stripper pole spin yeah. in the middle of it, it, it's goofy, but so, so is flying around the world. Yeah. No, this thing is like, <laughs> like everything that people don't like about these movies, they just, if you put, them in a cape and spandex you immediately yeah. go like oh that makes sense this is a superhero movie and that's totally. what this like the, this whole this fight and even and not to spoil revolutions but like the whole final agent smith fight is basically just like man of steel that's basically just like thor ragnarok yeah. it's just basically it's like you know like they all these fights just like literally just ape these things and everyone was sort of like oh yeah i like these these are great when it's like the stakes are like less muddy i guess or less specific but like i don't know there's something about them that's like for some people just couldn't hang with this knowing that it wasn't if it was a superhero movie it would have made people so much happier to be like oh he's fighting multiplio you know and like how amazing was that fight with with you know superman versus i don't i don't know superheroes very well multiple man 
multiple man there you go that's a that's a character um you know and and like how amazing that fight was it's never been done before and even if it switched to cg you're sort of like oh my god like can you believe that they pulled that off and yeah it's just well it's like all all characters are now are just like almost 100 percent cg and it's like how dare you but yeah it's also divided into really three like three distinct stages stage one is that kind of up close hong kong you know, kung fu style, quick cuts and, you know, quick takes and close ups. But then in stage two, there's some CGI on it, but then it's mostly just like nothing cuts away. Like it never uses like the shaky cam or yeah. anything like that. It's just like where you think it would cut, it just keeps going. And it's always Keanu Reeves. And it's, I mean, it's obviously not always Hugo Weaving, yeah, but yeah. it's just like, Jesus, I don't know. I don't even understand. I, like I said, I watched the documentary and how they made it. And I'm like, okay, I, I might need to watch <laughs> yeah. this as much as I watch The Matrix to even understand. But, in that moment, too, right beforehand with the Oracle, that moment is extremely important, too, with the candy. In that same way where I can't remember, that didn't seem, you know, watching it and revisiting it, obviously knowing what, what happens. The reveal that she's a computer program that's just about as part of the Matrix as this, the agents are or yeah. is, I can't remember if that was like, whoa, like mind bomb moment or not in the theater. No, I don't think it was. I think that most people overlook that or just don't think about it in the same way because like yeah in retrospect that's supposed to be like that's a huge twist yeah you know like you're supposed to be like because like the scene walking up to it with seraph and seraph is like wait so are you a machine are you part of the matrix and he's like yeah yeah and then you too. go like oh oh my god so the oracle is too and then she sets you up she's sort of like all right let's hear you say it and he's like you're a machine he's like yep yeah you know, you're a program and he's like yep there you go and so you can't trust me technically so and she makes she makes him say it yeah, which is another important aspect of it is like you it is these <laughs> like, like conversation number two where he sits down and has a long philosophical conversation with, you know, the Oracle who, whose purpose is radically redefined as as we find out later, basically the mother of the Matrix mm -hmm. um, from the architect. And that's its, its own separate thing is like, well, what is choice then if I'm choosing to be this savior figure, but then led on by a machine program telling me I needed to be this thing? What does that mean for me? Who am I now? And it becomes even more so about determinism in that moment. The next figure, I don't have it written down here, but I'm sure you have a lot to say about him. Visiting the Merovingian. Well, before 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 we go back to the Mer Merovingian, the the uh, the the or uh, just in case you guys who like the movie or haven't seen the movie, or whatever, something that blew my mind when I read that piece that we've already mentioned a couple of times. You should probably post it in the show notes. But like this article, this person wrote about the Matrix that like has stuck with me, and like every time I watch it, it like lands even harder. Is that like? Neo asks her at one point, what's in it for you? Like you, if you are a program, like what's in it for you? Like, why are you helping me? And she answers something so stupid that it seems like it's a throwaway or it's a joke. Mm -hmm. But she says, I'm doing it for the same reason as you. I love candy. And then she offers him some candy. And you go like, that's such a glib, weird thing to say. But like, that's the, like the key to the whole movie is that like when you're asking like the whole movie, it basically expands out the whole Matrix universe. And it basically introduces the idea that maybe the programs actually don't like this system either. And like, it's like the idea that like, oh, the opposition, the opposition. But it's like, no, no, no. Like, trust me, there are people allies on all sides who like literally don't like this system either however the reason why they would help you and the reason they don't want this whole thing to come to a hand the reason they want to go to go to war is because they like the life's little things and like the things that they like about humans and human nature totally. gloria foster's character the oracle's whole character is obsessed with sweets and having a sweet tooth and like sugary things and cookies. she answers very concisely why am i helping humans I, I, the same reason as you i love candy why are you here same reason I love candy. 
But why help us? We're all here to do what we're all here to do. I'm interested in one thing, Neil, the future. And believe me, I know the only way to get there is to get there. That's why, like, you know, like, I have the same stakes as you do. You like, you love Trinity. I love candy. This is great. <laughs> like, yes. this place ain't so bad. If you, if you look at the right, the right places, you know, anyway, so we can move on to the And I just wanted to not leave that. And we're all just so programmed to understand that, like, machines bad must kill machines. But it's like, like you, you said, that's your first glimpse into more of a twist coming than we thought. Another thing that seeds that is visiting the Merovingian, who is the kind of thing, the first reference that more of neo yeah again he says it like so off the cuff and you're supposed to be like the, oh, that yeah. should be a twist too but he's <laughs> sort of like you're like you're downloading so much information you're just sort of like did he just say the previous iteration right which is such a brilliant little machine touch because it's like i'm just following even he's a rogue program that like smuggles programs in and out that are you know acting the fool in the matrix but even he understands that it's like this is just what happens as Neo yeah. comes to talk to me again. Yeah, and the more and the more you, the more you watch the movie, the more you realize that like, and I know this actually isn't the case because I think that technically, it wouldn't be. He's not a former the one, but the way he's written is almost as if he was one of the ones who's just sort of a jaded guy now. Sure, you know, like his Trinity is Persephone, and like he sold out a yeah. long time ago and he is super cynical and super bitter about it. it and so he's just sort of like you fucking young kid coming in here thinking that you're gonna change the world i already tried once man like <laughs> give it up you come in here you don't even know the twist of the movie yet i know the <laughs> twist of the movie like i've seen the movie yeah you're gonna have so much egg on your face when you meet the architect and he's like, in fact i'm gonna say spare you this i'm not even gonna give you the key maker like just get the fuck out of here you're, you're <laughs> annoying me I, I didn't realize when i doled out the, the plot summary that you got the you gave uh, me orgasm the, cake i gave you orgasm <laughs> cake um i i want to apologize but i'm also not that sorry about it because it was great the funniest thing, i remember hearing somebody recently explain that when they were a kid and they saw the movie they thought that she shit her pants because <laughs> they were too young to understand what that scene was. And See, then she gets up and runs to the bathroom when she just sort of like, looks like, uh-oh. <laughs> so you can take anything you want to out of the Matrix. Yeah. Just, everyone's just shitting their pants left and right. Cause and effect. You're lactose intolerant. I put dairy in this cake. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, but even, even that part, like just kind of slowly turning up the dial on the system of, systems of control about like even the desire for pleasure is is a, a, a control system because it's just like that's what guides you to, to you know, some people that would just move forward is just like the pursuit of pleasure yeah, like yeah. even that's keeping people in line so you know the merovingian merovingian obviously leads to obtaining the keymaker finally morpheus and trinity smuggle the keymaker out into probably i mean the movie ronin has some great car chases but mm -hmm. this is like the king car chase in my opinion like you watch oh, yeah. it Every time you're just like, why does everyone even try anymore? Why is Mission Impossible Fallout trying anything? Why is like I know. James Bond even caring about car chases anymore? Because you see this and you're like, how the fuck did they yeah. pull this off? As you mentioned before, they designed and built their own mile and a half highway that was designed down to like scraps of litter on the ground. It took a year of planning for it. Seven weeks to film it. Around 300 vehicles were destroyed in making the, it's a 14 minute sequence and it's which is in itself crazy. You know, you're spending X amount of time having philosophical conversations and they're like, how about a 15 minute car chase now? For the more difficult sequences in there, computers were used to map the driver's courses. Carrie Ann Moss drove that Ducati herself and just did all of her own stunts. I she know, did. She never amazing. swapped out once and was just like, I got this. Not to mention, like, even if you throw away all the philosophical things and it, when people are talking about how the Reloaded and Revolutions suck, it, it just... 
Morpheus with a katana <laughs> flipping a car over and yeah. then fighting a dude in the back of a semi-trailer is like, please. Yeah. Jumping from no. the car up to the top of the semi-trailer, get get out of here. I think everyone universally likes the car chase. Yes. I think that, like, so we'll get into this when we get to the architect section, but, like, the cultural impact of Matrix Reloaded cannot be understated because Absolutely. it was such a fever pitch about it that everyone was so hyped. The movie is was a huge hit, but also, like, people think about it as a, ne- a negative movie. But, like, the amount of iconography and imagery from this movie specifically that is so stuck in your head for a movie that most people consider as a bad movie sure like like the highway sequence the architect the the burly brawl like there's all these sequences that are just like so embedded in people's brains the rave as well people made fun of the rave but like the rave, like all those images people know these scenes and like the problem is that some people didn't like some of them but the highway scene i think everyone universally is sort of like yeah that's an all-timer absolutely and and just everything that went into it and like understanding that you know there's bare there, there's cgi cars yeah. The, the uh, what if I just stop there? Yeah. People understand there's CGI cars. There's take that, Tom know, Cruise. Yeah, gotcha. But just like there's CGI aspects of it, but I think like 75 to 80 percent of it is just practical and happening mm-hmm. in the moment. You know, the agent jumping on the car hood is CGI, but then their cars are like timing out, dropping ramps behind them to have cars flip up in the air behind yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Insane. It's so insane. And just the amount of talent and technical know-how just to make that scene, and it's 15 minutes of the movie, but it's just like people should have like died in that sequence yeah. you know what i mean like well, more... no, it's i mean that's the thing is like it was so well made it was so well planned and like the, the you know you can now make a scene like that on your computer for like a, a eighth of the budget and it'd be cut to shit because like you just don't want people focusing on the cgi too much but like it would probably actually look better but like that, that's the thing the thing being sort of on the precipice of of practical and digital like you you see people being like well we have to film it practically and right. then, like, anything we absolutely can't do, we will do digitally, <laughs> as opposed to now the other yeah. way around, which is that, like, it would have been shot in Atlanta on a green screen or in that, like, weird holodeck room that, like, they shoot the the um, Mandalorian in. The and volume. Would just been, like, yeah. yeah, they'd just been, like, a screen flying by them while they're driving, and then you just, like, put it all in post. Just the mindset of, yeah, well, we're doing it practically. Yeah. Like, and everyone's like, yeah. They're in a real doing. car. Yeah, we're doing that. They created what they wanted to see, and then they're like, "We'll worry about the details." Very George Lucas in that in that way. With that in mind, you know, the car chase scene is amazing. Everyone remembers that. People remember the burly brawl. I think the most divisive and probably the most talked about aspect. I mean, parodied and like remember the MTV Movie mm-hmm. Awards parody of it, which oh, I went yeah. back and rewatched. And that, like the least the least funny part about it is the architect part. The MTV Movie Awards are a systemic anomaly inherent to the programming of the Matrix. Although the transport process has altered your consciousness, you irrevocably remain human, ergo, concordantly, vis-a-vis. You know what? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying. I just thought it would make me sound cool. You haven't answered my question. I'm feeling a little vulnerable right now, so you just need to chill out. Imagine the, um, the intellectual insecurity of America, that people decided that it was better for them to just make fun of big words than to accept that they just didn't know them like will 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 ferrell's take was just yelling the word ergo and concordantly and everyone laughed and it was sort of like can you believe that they use these big words yeah and like that's america in a nutshell is us being like look you using your big words like (laughs) then then you then you go and you watch the speech and he's 
saying these things, but he's using them correctly. Not to get too egg-headed about it and be like, you need to be an intellectual to understand. It's just like, oh. yeah, that's, a, that's a really, really well-stated point that like, because I remember that being really funny when it yeah. first came out. <laughs> I bet you didn't expect the Will Ferrell parody <laughs> talk. This is the kind of hard-hitting content people are tuning in for. <laughs> But that's the thing is like he's he's supposed to be the most robot that's ever existed. You know, like sure. he's basically just like speaking in code effectively. I think that it I get the coupling of it, like them making God into a Colonel Sanders looking motherfucker. Sure. You know, like there's probably a version of that where he meets somebody and it's a little more sci fi it's the same problem with contact right where people like dunked on the ending of contact because when the uh, spoilers for 1997's <laughs> contact when jodie foster goes through the tunnel and ends up in space and she meets an alien it's in the form of her dead father and the dead sure. father says hey heads up i look like your dead father because it'd be easier for you to process because right. you wouldn't be able to handle what i actually look like i don't i don't want to blow your fucking mind so yeah yeah um and so the architect being this like literal old Colonel Sanders looking motherfucker uh helmet in a white suit oh helmet you know that was a choice and I get it I mean at the same time there's so much information being tossed at you but at the same time you mean like the mother the oracle is like a sassy lady right you know sure. and so it's like uh it's interesting that like people just couldn't hang with that but yeah that scene to me is perfect and I love That's, every single second of it it's amazing. It's the, one of the best climaxes to a movie, and especially in a movie that literally had a 14-minute car chase scene. Yeah. You know, right before it, you go like, oh, how are they going to follow that up? How are they going to follow that up? And you go like, with an epic six-minute conversation. <laughs> yeah, in a room full of TVs. And I remember it being one of the first times in my movie-going life where there was a surprise or a twist coming up. You know, everyone knows, no, I am your father. Everyone knows Kaiser Sose. Everyone knows because it's just like kind of built into the lexicon of culture at that point. I mean, at this point, the usual suspects thing was pretty new, but the point stands that mm -hmm. like you had no idea a, tw a real twist was coming. You couldn't, yeah. you couldn't predict this. You know, there's no, there's no way, even if like you're going back and like revisionist history of like, oh, I, I, like the twist was obvious. There's like just no way. Yeah. And I, I remember, I remember it hitting so hard because like you said, that the burly brawl fight scene, the highway scene, and it's just like, this is a cyberpunk kung fu movie, but now we are talking about multiple iterations of the hero failing to do, or not not failing, succeeding in doing what it was programmed to do. I live for that kind of thing, and I think mm -hmm. it might be because of the Matrix that I do. Like I think about like Battlestar Galactica. Spoilers for Battlestar Galactica. All, <laughs> all this has happened before, and all this will happen again. Yeah. That kind of thing just sends my mind like Galaxy Brain style, like Zach Galifianakis hangover style. Like, <laughs> I credit this movie with that because I was at the, the age where I was like, oh my God, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And mm -hmm. people and people hated it. And to see Neo in all his different iterations, this is bullshit. Like, I'll smash the shit out of you. Have you seen the video of him doing the takes? Doing the line readings? Yes. Yeah, like, it's you so can't good. control me. <laughs> Just screaming, <laughs> like pointing a middle finger. Yeah, those are so fun. I love everything about that. I can say whatever I fucking want. I can say whatever I want! Fucking 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 what? You old white prick! You old white prick! I'll smash this place to bits! I'll smash this place to bits! I'll smash this place to fucking bits! I'll smash this place to fucking bits! You can't control me! You can't control me! You can't control me! You're dead! I'm gonna fucking kill you! I'm gonna fucking kill you! You're fucking dead! Fuck you! 
someone says in that moment, like, this is one of the few times you're ever going to get to improvise in a Wachowski production. So, so don't get used to it. That scene is so uh, brilliant. It's profound. But at the same time, like, you know, like you said, most people remember the Will Ferrell making fun of it sequence. People make, feeling underwhelmed by it or let down by it. And then even from like a, a storytelling perspective, like I remember like, you know, I love, bring it back to Lost. I love Lost. And Damon Lindelof at one point in an interview was sort of like, for very shorthanded reasons was sort of just like, yeah, I mean, we didn't want to do the lost thing, uh, the, the the matrix thing where the architect just explains the movie to you. That's like really incredibly boring. And like, I was like, Oh, it's so, it's so frustrating that like to them that that's considered an exposition dump, but it's not really an exposition dump. It's a, it's a trial. The amount the only information you get there is stuff that's already been given to you throughout the whole movie. Yes. It's just like, it's just the, the cipher to unlock the puzzle. Everyone's yeah. been saying it for the whole movie that you are one of an iteration, that this is just all a big thing and you've been following a chain of command. And so now here's the, here's exactly what's happening. You are actually a part of the system. Now here's the, here's the, the confrontation that you have to deal with as you leave here. You can either continue or you can go and actually fight, but, probably lose and it's you know it's obviously a more verbose and loquacious version of that but it is definitely um less of an info dump than you think like the amount of new information you get there is only that like you are that you're a mathematical anomaly more questions than answers at the end of it on which is to me is not an exposition dump it's propelling the plot forward well actually that that that, that's a good good point because like you know we me and my wife just watched loki and you know, not to keep dumping on Marvel movies. I like <laughs> Marvel movies just fine. And again, I like the Eternals. They're coming for um, us, Mo. But Loki, when I was I was talking to Julie, because like I love to do the whole screenwriting thing while I'm ra- watching something live. I'm like, ooh, like what are they gonna do? Like, there's no way. And so, like in my head, I was like, well, uh, spoilers for Loki. Uh, <laughs> in the uh, tearing down everyone's viewing schedule for the next two yeah, months. Yes, Jesus yeah. Christ! Like, pause the podcast. I gotta go and listen. to finish <laughs> Loki uh, before I get to this. But like episode seven or whatever, uh, eight ends and they're about to go to the final boss right they go to this mansion and in my head i was like well there's no way you introduce a new character the twist has to be that this character is someone we've met before already mm-hmm. that it's that it's somebody that's in the movie or you this is the, where you find out oh, that yeah. it's been owen wilson all along or that it's gugum about the raw all along or something like that right like there's no way you introduce someone new right now because then it would just be the matrix reloaded and then it's just the fucking matrix reloaded totally. except everyone likes it this time yeah, and i'm just sort you. of like <laughs> This is why you're here. I don't think so. Like, I've, I've thought this the same exact thing where it's like everyone praises the performance and include, I mean, it's definitely Jonathan Major's interpretation of how it's, you know, yeah. it's, that, that, that sells it. And it's not just someone saying like, you know, irrevocably, ergo, yeah. but like, it's the same thing. And it, 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 but it just has that Marvel veneer. So people are just like, this is the greatest. And it's mm-hmm. good. I, 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 I really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I liked Loki. I liked it. Um, but at the same time, like in my head, I was like, there's no way they're just going to do the Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh man, that's such an epic twist. Like, can you believe it? You know, <laughs> right. it's sort of like, but I guess in that universe, like you've spent to its credit, you know all these characters already so sure. you can hang with this like the matrix you kind of only barely know neo and so like and this is only you're like what hour four with him yeah and you've spent like what 72 years with loki at this point sure, because sure. we've all been living in the mcu since we were born <laughs> and um so i mean i get it like the stakes are different because you're sort of like oh like what could possibly be going on with what's going to take this whole story to the next level and also the the mcu never ends so this is just a new wrinkle as opposed to like the empire strikes back moment you know of like luke finding out that his that that darth vader sorry spoilers for empire strikes back <laughs> but that um darth vader is his father <laughs> oh my god how dare you 
<laughs> Sorry to everyone who still hasn't seen uh, Empire Strikes Back. Which way was this? As Star Wars Episode uh, uh, Two? five oh, uh-oh. <laughs> just i'm just joking i'm just joking to go back further into that just the concept of explaining that i think this is the moment actually where i reevaluated the series and i i you probably don't remember this because I, I i it was a few years ago and i messaged you i was like mo i get it now <laughs> this, this is like probably i think like five years ago four years ago and i was just like oh my god like i i just decided to rewatch it on a whim because like i was saying before like i i, I kind of was in, was in the camp of like i really like those movies they're great and then the rest of the world was like they were bad you are wrong mm-hmm. and i was like i guess i'm wrong oh no but to go back and just watch it and and un- to understand the choice to make the hero just be another cog in the yeah. system is such a in your face rock and roll move to do in a move in it where they set him up in their first movie to be this all powerful, all knowing badass to just mm-hmm. drop him instantly, drop him down to zero again. Yeah, and that, that's again Last Jedi comparisons where you take Luke and you just drop him down to nothing. People don't like that. People like a power fantasy to strip a power fantasy away from this guy that can literally bend reality and time to his will. People are going to be mad. They're going to be mad about it, and and I think that that's purposeful. You you want to be mad about it. You want to yeah. understand that, like, well, because it says so much about about the world at large, you know, and like people no don't. No one's coming to save you. For, yeah, escapism. You want to believe that this all takes. If you if you could fly, you could be able to save the world, right? But it's like hmm. no. The reality is that even if you were the best at punching and kicking people, you would be no match for bureaucracy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you still got to file the paperwork afterwards. That you, that like you would have you yeah, or that Jeff Bezos still outweigh outranks you because he could snap. <laughs> and erase your entire town if he wanted to you know like (laughs) yeah exactly people don't like to be reminded of of their humanity but that's what the matrix is and i think that that's why you go back and you watch the architect scene and you strip away the will ferrell parodies and you strip away the conversation that it's it's bad and it's like this is such a gutsy move on the wachowski's part to just just throw it all away in in one moment which ultimately builds up in revolutions to the real point the, the, the ultimate purpose and i i mean i t- talk about the last Jedi all the time but like i think about ryan johnson talking about how the one thing that would be the hardest thing for ray to hear in the moment is not that she's not who she thinks she is but to know that no one's coming to save her and that no one she has no lineage and that she is truly on her own and it's not the exact same situation here but the hardest thing for neo to hear in that moment is he has people putting bread, holy water, and gifts and trinkets at his feet because they think he's going to save save humanity. Yeah. And the hardest thing for him to hear in the moment is like, you're going to kill them, actually. You're, yeah, if you make yeah. a choice, one choice kills them, one choice just keeps his whole shebang moving. And just to be torn down to that level is just ideal storytelling. Yeah. And it's just, it's more interesting that way. It's just more, so it's just more, more interesting, interesting than people don't like it. <laughs> they don't, well, well, they don't like it. They don't like when they're heroes well, get turned Or rather, dust. it takes them a couple of years to like it. Like, yeah. I'm glad that this didn't, True. this didn't, this discourse didn't happen on today's Twitter, which again, it might be uh, December Ooh. 22nd, Matrix Resurrections in theaters. Uh, you'll get a lot. <laughs> You get a lot of people with a lot of bad opinions coming in being like... I'm terrified, Mo. I'm so scared. I'm so confident in my love of the Wachowskis that I am going to be walking on sunshine no matter how oh, yeah. people respond to it. I just can't... The thing is, like, the thing I was building up to this whole entire time is basically for all the bad takes on the sequels to start popping up now yeah. because everyone was going to start sprouting up and start revisiting the movies right before sure. and how everyone was going to be like, oh, those sequels suck. But, like, it's actually... We skipped that cycle entirely. In yeah. fact, Matrix nostalgia is at, like, an all-time 
high and it's so weird to me because people just like either accept that they don't really care about the sequels but no one's out there being like fuck the sequels and i can't tell if that's just because like generally most people have either just milded it on them like they've revisited and been like yeah i don't love them but they're not like the worst things and yeah. they've just like let it go but like the people who are propelling the matrix fandom are actually people who are like I don't know, like almost half our age, you know, like yeah, the yeah. kids are into the matrix right now. Good. It might just be like extreme online culture or whatever. And maybe I haven't even seen the sequels. They just like the concept of it. Like the idea of the matrix is interesting to them and, to, and they sure. like Keanu Reeves. And it's just sort of like the matrix is exciting again. Absolutely. That's cool. So maybe the discourse will instead be, you know, was it queer enough? You know, I don't know. That's that's a kind yeah. of like what I'm more afraid of is like the, que- yeah. the queer camp coming out and being like, this is very het. This is like too cis het for me. Like this movie, I was like, expecting yeah. this movie to like be the like the like trans tome that I wanted it to be instead sure. of the like populist thing that we got. It's just so impossible to tell what it's even going to be. It's just, so, yeah. I mean, impossible if you don't like have people whispering in your ear what it might be which is like and that's what i was saying i'm scared i'm not scared of the movie i'm like buckled up i'm ready for resurrections no matter what it brings but at the same time i'm just so scared of the the, the backlash and it's just it's just not a fun fun place to be And like you said though know. there's been no pre-discourse really i think about what you're saying with like the youth coming up and and, and touting the matrix and it's um i took my boys to the public museum the other day and we were getting lunch in the cafeteria and there's this group of like teenagers sitting and talking about i have some pretty negative nasty things to say about capitalism and the overarching structure of the you know modern oppressiveness of capitalism i was just like holy shit like when i I was a kid i was like just talking about the phantom menace you know like you know i was talking i wasn't talking about like which also has interesting things to say about capitalism oh yeah yeah that's uh that's gonna be a whole other series i was like oh cool there's just like kids sitting around talking about the fall of capitalism and how great it'll be <laughs> i feel like people not liking this movie again they'd like this movie more than they like resurrections or rather re- revolutions i'm gonna i'm gonna trip those up all the time revolutions re- reloaded they like less than the first one but they like more than the third one but i think the uh, the reason they don't like this one is a, a series of small things rather than like one major thing right i sure. think that in mm-hmm. general you're kind of underwhelmed by the architect scene you're underwhelmed by how many dialogue scenes there are you're under, underwhelmed by how much talking there is you're excited when the cgi when the, when the fighting happens but then you're a little underwhelmed when this switches to cgi that you don't like you know you don't understand the dialogue is so dense that you feel like a little stupid sometimes watching it the first time but i also think that the ending of this movie is underwhelming and i don't mean it in the sense that narratively i think it's incredibly but i think that like a lot of this movie like now that i've seen it 15 to 25 times like i watch it and i'm just like yeah it's fucking bang and it's really smith and they're on the same table on the opposite side of the same bed it's a metaphor motherfuckers but instead it's like you 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 do that like dun 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 literal yeah. a literal dun dun yeah, dun yeah, yeah, yeah. Literal, literal. over something that like most people in the audience are like wait what and like it's just the choice of the last shot and then cutting to a rage against the machine song feels so weird at that moment Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden it switches that you go like hmm okay well that's it just ends awkwardly you know like yeah totally like it's basically the same ending as you know it's kind of the same it's empire strikes back ending it's it's a down note ending everything is lost you know you can end that movie literally with a shot of the bomb hitting the nebuchadnezzar and then them staring off and and about to get picked up right but like this waiting that extra 45 seconds and then cutting to bane uh, yeah. is like sort of like a weird note it's like it's like the, they they say on this i think they say on the story just like 
four minutes too long. Could have very easily been Neo taking out the squid and then p- passing out, and then it like crane shots up away with the yeah. desolate real world. You know, and then be like, then, Neo, then, Neo, then, wake up. And, and then it fades out, and Calm Like a Bomb still plays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a necessary component. Uh, and then started revolutions with the table. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, like, yeah, you introduce, you slowly introduce the fact that there's also a guy in the room who is dangerous, and you know, it's it, it, the mm-hmm. stakes are. I don't know. I, that's for your res- revolutions conversation to be had. But yeah, that's that's my take on Reloaded, which is to me a a movie that I am excited to rewatch as much as the first Matrix, which I know is a controversial take. But if you ask me right now, after having just rewatched Res- Reloaded last night. Uh, which I like more. Mm-hmm. I think I like them both equally for different reasons. I'm pumped to do Revolutions. I'm, I'm actually really excited because there's just so much bizarre shit to say about it. But uh, I'm I'm pumped. I'm just like so pumped to, to to revisit it and see, and really to see how it plays into Resurrections. I just don't. I'm I'm just fascinated into the implications of resurrections in general the one last thing i wanted to say is i just think that neo having powers outside of the matrix is just like again one of those but it's one of those moments where you kind of feel your soul leave your body in the theater of like oh my god he's he really can do it like yeah how it just you just don't forget something like that when you see it in the theater and like in a packed theater everyone's cheering even after everything they just been through and kind of the wachowskis put a matrix in a sock and beat you over the head with it like (laughs) it's even after that you're like oh my god neo can just do it that's amazing but at the end of the day the wachowskis don't give a fuck about you (laughs) at all They, they don't care about you yeah so with that being said mo are you ready to face the trials yes you're like what the fuck are the trials let the trials commence the trials basically we're going to go through and ask a few questions about the matrix preferences questions awards just just some fun thought exercises so the first category is a new one it's called assemble your crew this one specifically put together a crew of three chosen ones it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's the chosen one not the, cho- <laughs> not, the, not the chosen three or seven but just in terms of you know across moviedom across series make a crew of chosen ones that you think are would be the most interesting together oh man oh let's see Ooh, what are some good chosen ones? I guess recently you get you got Paul Pauly Pauly Dunes, uh, but no, <laughs> uh, he's he's a he's a little boring for me. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the Atreides clan. John Locke from Lost. Oh my God! Don't ever tell me what I can't do ever. Um, I guess that he's he's smart and he has he has passion. Let's see. Oh man, Morpheus. I guess Morpheus is pretty cool. I know he's not he's not really the chosen one, but uh, you know, he's a part of the prophecy. And then uh, who else is uh, a good chosen one? No pressure. F- Furiosa? I don't know. That counts. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. She, she's, she leads people back to the promised land. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Neo is in the center of mine. Obviously, then Anakin Skywalker is, oh, yeah. is going to be my choice. You, you want, you want some, a messy bitch who just loves yeah. the drama? I yeah. just, he just loves the drama. <laughs> it's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. I think I'm contractually obligated to say Anakin Skywalker. And then you say John Locke, but I was going to say Jack Shepard. And it's so interesting to me that you said Ben, uh, John Locke, your, because it's your like... Your crew and my crew can meet on yeah. the island and fuck yeah. each other. Yeah, it's The Jets versus the Sharks. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I, I never really thought of John Locke as a chosen one. 
but it, it makes complete sense. I mean, Lost is its own separate thing. It's gonna we're gonna do a year long a year long series on Lost. So beyond that, a more simplified one. What would your matrix name be, and what is the first skill you download into yourself? Oh man. I would name myself the artist, but it would be spelled with the print symbol. Cool. Because yeah, in this universe, you know, I can be whatever I want. <laughs> uh, and the first skill that I would put into me is probably uh, incredible musicianship, like Prince. Perfect. I think that would just be a, a good skill to have. I don't know if it would help me in fighting the revolution. But, I mean, well, just forming the revolution, maybe, yeah. not fighting, <laughs> fighting the revolution. Uh, <laughs> The Prince Revolutions is the yeah. third one in your trilogy in that Yeah, voice. exactly. <laughs> who is the movie MVP, Mo? Who do you think who do you think takes the movie Matrix Reloaded? This is gonna be a controversial take, but I think that Gloria Foster as the Oracle is my favorite thing in this movie because you lose her after this. This is her last performance and rewatching it last night, I was just like she's she's on the Wachowskis wavelength like not sure. every actor can do it like you watch like something like Jupiter Ascending which is a movie that it has has flaws but I'd argue its biggest flaws oh, are, it? that the, are that the performers in it not every performer is on the same wavelength as the movie needs there are lots sure. of people who get it but like you know I would argue that Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis don't know what the movie they're in sure but like Gloria Foster is so good with their dialogue everything she delivers it doesn't feel candy it doesn't feel expository it feels really lived in and mm -hmm. her her like her sassiness back to neo feels like like earned and like it doesn't feel sure. like like i don't know perfunctory it doesn't feel performative like she's just like a real like she that's why you're surprised that she's a program because she like feels like a real human being mm -hmm. and the way she's delivering dialogue is she's just sort of like very glib and very matter of fact and i know that person i like like that reminds me of family members like i see that person it's like very lived in she's sure. so good and like my biggest take on revolutions is that that movie is 20 percent better if gloria foster's in it I love it. And I'm going to go ahead and agree with you for all the points said, because I, I, I also had the Oracle down. And I think that that's just, you just nailed it. So the the quintessential Matrix question, uh, red pill or blue pill? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously you're a goddamn capitalist drone if you say anything <laughs> other than the red pill, right? You know, if you have kids and you you, know, you have family or mortgage, like what are you supposed to do? Just burn it all down, take the red pill and go live in a you know, a place where farina and oatmeal and gruel are the only things you have to live. I don't know. No, obviously the red pill. I, I, I think that the, the world is on fire and we need a reboot and a hard reset. Uh, sign me up, count me in, but I'm, I'm going to miss movies. Sure. I don't know if they have movies in, uh, in, the, in the real world. Movies are my favorite thing in the entire world. So if my wife and my cat can get unplugged and we can live on the Nebuchadnezzar, I think I'll be fine, but <laughs> I'm going to miss like movie night more than anything i could probably live with everything else that's your candy mo is your yeah. is the movies well it's definitely uh very obvious how much you love movies and the way you talk about them and think about them thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk about the matrix reloaded a movie that i think about seven people in the world actually really like and the rest <laughs> of the people despise there are, there are dozens of us there's about as many people i think that are in zion yeah. that like the matrix reloaded so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good a good chunk good chunk of civilization yeah. seven um, males 13 uh a 16 females whatever the 23 chromosomes metaphor is yeah you know is there anything um before we head out with with mondo or anything that you want to plug while you're here to the yeah. 14 people that are gonna listen to this but <laughs> no no I, I work for a company called mondo we make pop culture collectibles i specifically do the soundtracks um the film film movie scores soundtracks video games television shows on vinyl uh analog format and uh you know 
it's a dream of mine to work on something matrix related someday in the future um i love all of don davis's music and i can't wait to hear what the score is like for uh matrix resurrections but uh in the meantime you could check out some of the work i do on mondorecordshop.com um, where you'll find soundtracks from your most cyberpunky things of recent days, like Blade Runner Black Lotus, to, um, I would say, we just recently released a soundtrack to the new Guardians of the Galaxy game, as well as uh, Wizard of Oz. It's a new one that's coming out, too. So speaking cool. of, uh, you know, good philosophical rabbit hole metaphors, uh, lost adjacent themes, uh, you can go there. Everything comes back to lost. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. Check that out. Check everything else that Mondo has to offer. Yeah, thanks so much, Mo. This was a blast. And uh, no, thank you so much for having me. Like I told you at the top, I uh, any excuse to talk about these movies, I uh, I plan on rewatching them all at least once more before uh, the next one. But thanks for giving me the opportunity to watch it one more time. Yeah, well, when we get to season four of Lost, we'll have you back on. Oh, please do. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much. the show follow along on instagram at b1n1pod on apple Podcasts. make sure to like and subscribe and leave a review because it helps us out who knows what's coming next well i do it's the matrix revolutions but beyond that who knows what we're going to cover in the future yeah thanks so much for listening this has been best one since the next one and we'll see you next time what you say what you say what you say what